All right. Thank you, Justin. Okay. So, round two. Here we go. A little bit more football or football. So, uh, I thought what I'd do at this point is I'd get a little bit more competitive and maybe offer an incentive to some of you out there. So, I've got a little bit of a challenge, a little bit of a quiz that I'm going to need some help with. I'm going to need two volunteers. You guys are going to go head to head. I saw Simon Monroe. Your hand shot up. So, you are volunteer number one. Who thinks they've got what it takes? <laughs> I can't do a family. That would be anyone out there. So, yes, I can't see who you are, but come on up. You, uh, let's give these guys a round of applause. So, Simon, good morning, welcome. Good morning. I just got one question for you, football or football? Uh, English football. English football, all right. You can stand right here. No pressure, my friend. What's your name? Isaiah. Isaiah, football or football? American football. <laughs> America. You can say it's a tough question. They're like, uh, football? Yes, that's, yeah, okay. So we've got an English football fan, an American football fan. So we're going to see how well you know your sports. Uh, I'm going to ask Caitlin if she'll bring out a couple of props for me, please. And uh, as she does, there are five questions you're going to have to answer, okay? There's your props. So the answer to this question, uh, Isaiah and Simon, will either be football or football. And you have to determine which one. So question number one, which football uses the most footballs in a game. Okay, you both said soccer or English football. Let's find out, shall we, up on the screen? Oh, I'm sorry. In American football, they use 12 balls. Uh, not at the same time, I don't think. I'm not really sure. But, um, but not at the same time, but there are 12 footballs available. In English soccer, there are only seven balls. Yes, yes, sorry about that. So, okay. So the good news is it's all even. <laughs> zero, zero, that's good. Okay. Question number two, which football had the most TV viewers of one game in 2014? Okay, football. Which game do you think that might have been? Super Bowl. That's a great guess. There was a little trick question. So 2014 was the World Cup final. The answer is the World Cup. They had one billion people watched that particular game. So football won Football zero right now. Okay, question number three. Let's see how you do. Which football had the highest paid player of 2015? You're going to guess American football and you're going to guess soccer. Let's find out. It was Lionel Messi. I'm sorry, Isaiah, but it was an English football. Actually, it was a Spanish footballer um, or Italian maybe. A European footballer. That kind of covers them all. Um, yeah. Playing for a Spanish team. But yes, he was the highest paid footballer, $71 million. Yeah, just for 2015. So kids, play football. Okay, which football, which of the two footballs, brought half a million fans to the streets of London for a giant block party? Which football brought half a million fans to the streets of London? A pretty... Reasonable guess. Let's take a look at the answer. Oh. It was football. Yes. Back in October, just a few months ago, there was a huge lineup played in London. It was the, the Jaguars, or the Jaguars, uh, the Jaguars, okay, and they played the Buffalo Bills. Massive game, two titans of American football playing each other um, in London. Half a million people came out to the block party. So English people are really starting to get into this whole American football thing. Okay, last question, question number five. Simon's in the lead. Okay, thanks in part to his uh, famous wife with the highest net worth. So this football has a very famous wife, and because of his famous wife, okay, you're going to guess that football. That's a good guess. You're going to guess that football. 
Well, Isaiah, that was a good guess because Tom Brady is married to Giselle something. Is that right? Is that her name? Bunch of, I, I could read her name, but I don't know what to say. So, and together they were $300 million. $300 million. But they are not the highest paid. David Beckham and Victoria Beckham combined net worth of $700 million. That's a lot of money. So it's not too late to start playing that football, okay? Could be a really good time to get in. So congratulations. I'm afraid that means that Simon here was our winner. Let's give a little round of applause here for Simon. So uh, I have some prizes here for you for competing. So Simon, you get a copy of the movie The Blind Side. Oh boy. Well done. He's, did you know that Michael Orr is playing tonight? He plays for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Uh, you get a copy of Rudy, another great football movie. And you get a copy of... Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington. Real three brilliant football movies there. Uh, as runner-up, you get kicking and screaming with Will Ferrell. So uh, a good, one of the greatest football movies ever. I actually feel like you are the real winner in this competition. So, uh, so well done. Let's give a round of applause to Isaiah and Simon. You guys, and you can keep them. Game's over, so they're your trophies to take home and pin to your wall. You know... I'm realizing that maybe this particular day wasn't the day to take on American football. It's Super Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, so, so maybe I will uh, regroup, go back to the drawing board, and, uh, and keep working away at you, hopefully uh, winning some converts to football. But in the meantime, uh, I do want to share a few thoughts this morning, and especially on this particular Super Bowl Sunday. Because the truth is that tonight, it is going to be a fun night. Like, like many of you, I'm going to be gathered and I'm going to watch the game and I'm looking forward to, to watching the game. Maybe you're looking forward to watching it as a family. Maybe you've already planned a party where you're going to have some friends over or you're going to go to a friend's house and watch it. Um, some of you are excited because you love watching the game. You're just dialed in the whole time. You're watching every play. Even though your team isn't playing, you're still just as excited because you just love the game and the way it's played. Then there's others of you who are like, you know why I'm going? It's the food. I just love it, all the snacks, those pigs in blankets, they've already got me excited for tonight. I can't wait because I'm going to be eating some great food tonight and a lot of it. So uh, I'm looking forward to my Super Bowl party, wherever it may be. But um, if we're honest, if we're honest, I think the majority of us in here this morning would say, you know what, as much as I'm looking forward to the game, as much as I'm looking forward to the food, what I'm really looking forward to tonight is what? The commercials, yes! That's what I'm looking forward to. It's the commercials. They're brilliant, aren't they? And it's always such fun. Isn't it bizarre that the game's on and everyone's kind of milling around and talking and then it'll cut to a commercial break and everyone's like, shh, shh, wait, wait. You know, we want everyone's attention now because we want to see these commercials. And some of them will be like, oh, and some of them will be like, huh? You know, but uh, we see these great commercials and we kind of tune in. So, so I had this idea for a, a little message here this morning called 30 Second Theology. Because a lot of theology, there's a lot of um, messages, a lot of information that's being sent to you in that short 30-second period. In fact, there are companies that are paying millions of dollars to make sure that in just 30 seconds tonight, you'll get to hear their message. Because they know that there'll be well over 100 million people tuned into that game tonight, many of whom can't wait to see the commercials. Because we love them. We want to laugh at the idea that there's a goat that likes Doritos. Although there's a little boy who dresses up as Darth Vader and, and can control things using the force. We love those commercials. We want to cry 
at the thought that the puppy might be separated from a Clydesdale horse and that hopefully that somehow they'll be reunited. Maybe we want our emotions to be moved when Eminem tells us you should buy your Chrysler in Detroit. And you say, yes, Eminem, I'm only going to buy my Chrysler from Detroit from now on. Maybe you want to watch them because you don't want to be the only guy or girl at work or school tomorrow when everyone's walking around the office going, what's up? And you're like, what? Nothing's up. Why are you, why are you just talking that way? You, know, you want to make sure you catch whatever tonight's catchphrase is. It could be, where's the beef? Or what's up? Or, or some famous Super Bowl commercial. Or maybe, just maybe, you're like me. And you're watching, you're looking forward to the commercials tonight because you know that there's a pretty strong chance based on commercials in history, commercials in the past, that there's going to be at least one commercial that will be funny at the expense of someone's pain. And that's the commercial you're looking forward to. Check out this one from Reebok. When we asked Reebok to send us Terry Tate, some people thought we were crazy. But I'm a firm believer in paradigm breaking, outside the box thinking. Hey, buddy. Break was over 15 minutes ago, Mitch! And since Terry's been with us, our productivity has gone up 46%. We're getting more from our employees than ever before. You know you need a cover sheet on your TPS reports, Richard! That ain't new, baby! Hey, Terry. Hey, Janice. But what's really impressed me is how Terry's become part of the Felcher family. He fits right in here. That's a low distance call, Doug! To be honest, I wish Reebok sent us 10 Terry Tates. You wanna play games, Gene? Well, when it's game time, it's pain time, baby! Oh, Terry, Terry Tate. So this morning's service is brought to you by Reebok. I hope you enjoyed that, uh, that commercial. See, the commercials are great, aren't they? There's funny ones, there's emotional ones, and we just, we really do enjoy watching them. And it's crazy, because as we're, as we're watching them, and we're looking at these commercials, we're thinking, yeah, I enjoy this, but you know what? There's no way they're going to convince me to buy something I don't want to buy. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've got my mind, that mind made up. I enjoy the commercials, but they're not going to sway me into buying something that I don't think I need or I don't want to buy. Well, I am right there with you. I will not be duped by these commercials, by these marketers. In fact, I actually read an article just recently about how advertisers will spend millions of dollars and use all sorts of tricks to manipulate you into buying something that you don't really need, into tricking you into buying something that, (coughs) even though the product you have works fine, to buying something else. I read that article just this last few weeks on my brand new iPhone 6S, um, which was not a lot different than my iPhone 6 before that, but I had to have the iPhone 6S. But it's true, isn't it? These companies, they spend billions of dollars. In fact, I found out that in 2014 alone, $180 billion was spent on advertising. So is this a problem, do you think? I mean, companies have to make us aware of their products, right? They've got to to let us know. I mean, maybe you you want a choice in the laundry detergent you buy. I want to know that my laundry detergent will get my sheets whiter than white. So tell me, companies, which one is the best to buy? We need to know these things. It's a good thing. But what if there are other messages that are being subtly presented to us through these advertisements? What if there are messages that are actually affecting the way we live? within our means or beyond our means? What what if there are messages in these commercials that affect the way we think about ourselves or the way we think about others? 
You see, I think there can be some of those subtle undertones in some of those commercials, and they can be problematic. Let me explain why. Back in the beginning, when you read the Bible, you read that God created the heavens and the earth. And you read that he, he created it perfect. That was God's plan, to create this beautiful universe in which we find ourselves perfect. No, no sin, no bad things, no death, no disease. This perfect, perfect universe. In fact, God even describes it in Genesis chapter 2. It says that in verse 25, Now the man and his wife, they were both naked. They felt no shame. It's picturing this, this place of, of perfection where there was no shame. That was God's original plan. But you know, God, he gave us free will, and that's a good thing. He could have created us like robots, and we had no mind of our own, and he could have made us worship him. He could have made us be kind to one another. He could have made us do good things, and we would have had no power. But um, who wants to be in any kind of relationship with any person that has no free will, that's being made to love them or made to love one another? So God gave man free will. What that means, though, is that man had the, the choice to do what was right or to do what was wrong. And we may all be familiar with the story of how the serpent, the devil, came and he tempted Eve, and, and Eve ate the apple, and then Adam ate as well, the fruit from the forbidden tree. And what the Bible calls sin, the, the death, the destruction, the bad things in their lives, that came into the world at that point. And we have no choice but to be born into that. It describes it here, and listen to how it describes it compared to the verse I just read in Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis 3, it says that she saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit, and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Have you ever noticed that before, that one of the very first consequences of sin was shame? One of the very first results of, of man disobeying God, turning away from God's plan for perfection, one of the very first consequences was shame, was being in a place of not being fully content in who God had made them to be. And this has continued on ever since. We're born into this world, and as we grow up, that, that's like a pull on us, that original shame, that original consequence of sin is in every one of us. And we can struggle with issues of images and images of ourselves. And I think that the sad thing is that very often, media and commercials, they, they play into this. They try to present us with this idea that, yeah, we, we know you feel like that, but if you buy this, if you spend money in this place, if you do this, that will fix the problem. That's what it, that's what it will take to make you feel better. And you see, the premise on which most of commercials are based, you may know this, is that um, they try to convince you that you're in some way unhappy with your life or in some way uh, your life is incomplete at this point. And that's true. That is very true for many of us. But what they then go on to say in these commercials is that you may find yourself now feeling unhappy. And if you buy this product, if you wear this outfit, if you drive this car, if you go to this place, it will change that. It will fill that gap. It will make you feel happy. And the re reality is that's not true. But that's what the, the commercials are trying to, the message they're trying to send to us. And this isn't a new problem. This isn't something that's just come about since the advent of TV or, or media. This is something that's been um, a problem for mankind for, for hundreds of years. In fact, following the life of Jesus, a man by the name of Paul came along. And Paul was a fascinating guy. He wrote most of the content of the New Testament. 
And Paul's story is amazing because he wasn't a follower of Jesus. In fact, he was an enemy of Jesus and his followers. It was his plan in life to try and persecute and kill those that professed a faith in Jesus. And one day he's walking along the road and, and Jesus appears to him. And he has this encounter with Jesus. And, and Jesus says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And in the midst of this encounter, Paul's life changes forever. In fact, he used to go by the name Saul. He even changes his name Paul because of such a radical transformation in his life. He goes from being a hater of Jesus to a proponent and to somebody who, who spreads the name of Jesus. So he went all around the New Testament world and he would write letters to these different churches that were starting across the New Testament world, explains them the message of Jesus. And listen to what he says in one of those letters. It's a book called Colossians. And it's in Colossians chapter two. And he's talking about this very idea. He says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, but rather from Christ. He's kind of saying there, isn't he, that you're going to be bombarded with a lot of information throughout your life. Some of those commercials that you watch that promise a quick fix or promise to solve the emptiness in your life or promise to change how you feel about yourself, what they really are is what Paul was coming face to face with in his life were empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that just come from human thinking. Paul isn't saying here that, that philosophy is wrong in and of itself. He's saying, but there are some empty philosophies here that are being promoted by the people around you. In that particular culture, there were a lot of people trying to figure out the meaning of life and were trying to figure out what, what would, how one would find true happiness. There were many different religions, many different philosophies. And Paul was saying that many of these were just empty philosophies. He was challenging his listeners and he was challenging even us today to realize not to base your belief system on these empty philosophies, but instead on the teachings of and in, on who they were in Christ. He actually goes on in the next verse. In, in verse 9, he says this. He says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. He says, you're looking for a quick fix. You're looking to fill that gap. You're looking to fill that void, that emptiness you feel. Listen, here it is. The fullness of God. Everything of God. God created you to be this person. And you can discover who that is. You can experience that in Christ. Because Christ, in Christ, lives all the fullness of God in a human body. And you can have a relationship with him. Just a couple of verses earlier, Paul says in verse 7, let your roots grow down into him. He's saying to the people, and he's saying to us, let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Paul's saying, listen, if you'll allow your roots to go down into Jesus, into a relationship with Jesus, it will change your life. So many of you are looking to these empty philosophies and these, these quick fix situations, but allowing your roots, allowing your life to go down into that of Jesus will change who you are. He's saying the real truth can only be found in Jesus and a relationship with him. So if companies are spending $180 billion a year on advertising, there is a strong chance that on a regular basis, we are being bombarded with what Paul calls empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. And that can affect us, can't it? We may not be willing to admit this, but all of that saturation of that, that media and that message, it can affect us. If we're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're... Um, unsure or maybe this is something you're skeptical about 
then maybe you're here this morning and you're hearing these messages and you're thinking, I'm, I, I'm not so sure, but you at least maybe say, but I do recognize, I do um, understand what it's like to have that kind of, uh, that void, that emptiness, that, that searching for some kind of meaning in this life. And if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, then, then it can be tempting to see these commercials and, and subtly pick up on the message that's being sent out that that's what will help you find that. This product, this place, this experience. But the reality is if we're all honest with ourselves, there may be a quick fix, there may be a little exhilaration with a new product or a new thing, but after a while, it too leaves you feeling empty. Maybe you're here this morning, you're a follower of Jesus, and you love following Jesus. You can trace your relationship with him back to many months, years, maybe even a lifetime. But even as a follower of Jesus, you would say to yourself this morning, you know, Dave, I think I've been caught up in some of those lies, caught up in some of that, that message there of the, the media and the commercials because it's affected the way I think about myself. It's caused me to, to maybe think differently about myself than the way I should think about myself as a follower of Jesus. And in fact, the way he thinks about me. I actually came across a commercial that illustrates this point perfectly. Ironically, it was a commercial to illustrate uh, what I think can sometimes be the danger of commercials. But it illustrates this point perfectly. Some of you may have seen this. It was very popular online a few years ago, but let's watch this together. I'm a forensic artist. Worked for the San Jose Police Department from 1995 to 2011. I showed up to a place I'd never been, and there was a guy with a drafting board. We couldn't see them, they couldn't see us. Tell me about your hair. I didn't know what he was doing, but then I could tell after several questions that he was drawing me. Tell me about your chin. It kind of protrudes a little bit, hmm. especially when I smile. Your jaw? My mom told me I had a big jaw. What would be your most prominent feature? Kind of have a fat, rounder face. The older I've gotten, the more freckles I've gotten. I would say I have a pretty big forehead. Once I get a sketch, I say thank you very much, and then they leave. I don't see them. All I had been told before the sketch was to get friendly with this other woman, Chloe. Today I'm going to ask you some questions about a person you met earlier, and I'm going to ask you some general questions about their face. She was thin, so you could see her cheekbones. And her chin, it was a nice, thin chin. She had nice eyes. They lit up when she spoke. Cute nose. She had blue eyes, very nice blue eyes. So here we are. This is the sketch that you helped me create. And that's a sketch that somebody described of you. So yeah, that's... She looks closed off and fatter, sadder too. Mm -hmm. The second one looks more open, friendly, and happy. Mm -hmm. I should be more grateful of my natural beauty. It impacts the choices in the friends that we make, the jobs we apply for, how we treat our children. It impacts everything. It 
couldn't be more critical to your happiness. Do you think you're more beautiful than you say? Yeah. Yeah. We spend a lot of time as women analyzing and trying to fix the things that aren't quite right. And we should spend more time appreciating the things that we do like. Powerful message, isn't it, from a, just a commercial? But you remember what I said at the beginning when I said that God created the world and Adam and Eve, they were naked and they felt no shame. What that means is they just, they, they loved who they were. They recognized who God had created them to be and they felt no shame. And then when they made the wrong decision and what the Bible calls sin enters the world, the first consequence was that they felt shame. It changed the way they felt about themselves. And ever since, we have been, we, we're now born into this world where, where, where there's not just a message from the outside coming in, but we're battling a message from the inside ourselves about the way that we might feel about ourselves, the way that we might see ourselves. Being a Dove Beauty Products commercial, this was aimed primarily at women. And, and though it's true that the, the question of self-image, that may be a greater challenge for women than men, the truth is that all of us struggle at times, sometimes all the time with our view of who we are. We struggle with the idea of who we are and, and we're bombarded with these messages. And, you know, advertising in and of itself isn't a bad thing. We hear it connects. We put posts on Facebook. We, we generally want people to know about us. That's what advertising is at its core. Is to, we want you to be aware of the product we have. Where it gets dangerous is that sometimes, um, either intentionally or unintentionally, some of these companies and some of these products, they promote this message that not only do we want you to know about this product, but we want to tell you how this product will make your life better, will fix the way you feel about yourself, will change how you feel, will help you um, remove that emptiness that you feel inside will help you feel different about yourself. But the truth is there isn't a product around that will do that. But I believe that Jesus can do that. I believe a relationship with Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, maybe you'd say, I've experienced this. If you've not, I want to challenge you. This is something you can experience. A relationship with Jesus who, when he looks at you, he's like the second person in the, in the commercial He's describing you the way you, the way he sees you. It's a beautiful version of you. And sometimes you're like, yeah, but Jesus, what about this? Or what about this part of my personality? Or what about this in my past that no one knows about? But when I did this, and, and we kind of draw this picture of ourselves, and it's going to be a negative picture. Or a, uh, and Jesus says, listen, that's not who I see. When I look at you, that isn't who I see. I see the perfect you that I created, just like God created Adam and Eve. When I look at you, that's who I see, and I want you to experience that. I want you to see who I see when I look at you. And we can experience that through a relationship with Jesus. Paul writes another letter to another church in, in 1 Corinthians 5, 17. He says this. He talks about that relationship with Jesus. He says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. He wants us to experience that relationship with Jesus that's like a new life. That we can see ourselves the way that he sees us. You know, as I conclude this morning, I want to send you away with a little bit of a challenge for tonight's game. Here's the challenge I want to send you away with, because tonight you're going to see some fantastic commercials. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry. You're going to look on and think, what? 
what was that about? <laughs> they tried way too hard there because that made no sense at all. But tomorrow, everyone will be talking about that commercial, the weird one. So enjoy the commercials and enjoy the game and enjoy your time with your family. But here's what I want you to do. How many of you remember back in 1984, there was a very famous Super Bowl commercial by a company that I'm a big fan of, and uh, this particular Super Bowl commercial is what they say kicked off the whole idea of Super Bowl commercials. It was so grand. Does anyone remember what the commercial that was? Coke. Nope, wasn't Coke. Apple, yes. Apple did this, this commercial back in 1984 during Super Bowl 18. And it featured this, this woman running through um, kind of a black and white, a grim setting. There's, there's the picture there. Some of you remember the, the, the picture of the, uh, the commercial. It was kind of a George Orwell kind of time. It was actually 1984 that the commercial came out. And it was um, Apple's attempts to set themselves apart from IBM. They were kind of saying that IBM is the, the George Orwell of computing and Apple is here to change everything and to break free. And she throws this hammer through this screen. And it was just an amazing commercial. It was like a movie in 30 seconds. It was so cinematic the way it was done. And they say that this was what really started the trend of incredible Super Bowl commercials. In fact, just this week online, I kept seeing articles about this commercial and saying, here's where it started. Here's the story behind that commercial. But here's why I want to bring up this commercial this morning. The phrase that Apple was known for at the time was think different. That's what I want you to do tonight when those commercials come on. When those commercials come on, I want that phrase to pop into your mind, think different. This commercial is telling me that I'm unhappy right now, and if I buy this, it will bring me happiness. This commercial might be telling me that my life is empty, and, and if, I, if I use this product, it will become full. This commercial is telling me that this beautiful person who's using this, I could look like them. I could look like him or her if I would just drink Pepsi. <laughs> that's all it takes to look beautiful. Believe me, that's not what it takes. Think different. Don't get caught up in those ideas. Don't think different. Think different. Think the way that Jesus sees you because it's different. He's saying, yes, I understand that there is an emptiness. I understand that there is a brokenness. I understand that the consequences of sin, that very first day it happened, was that shame came into the world. And none of us have to be taught how to feel that way. It's just in us. That sense that we're always battling that idea of there's just things about me I don't like and this thing. Well, think different. When Jesus looks at you, he loves what he sees. And no matter what you've been through, no matter where you come from, he wants a relationship with you. He wants to experience that relationship. He wants to, you to be able to walk through your life, through the ups and the downs, with him by your side, helping you through those difficult times, transforming your life, changing who you are bringing light into dark areas and transforming the way you think about things, restoring relationships and, and bringing life and love into your life. But it's going to come through thinking different. So tonight when those commercials play and tomorrow and throughout the week, anytime you see a commercial or a magazine ad or something like that, just let that thought drop in your mind. God, I want to think different. I want to think about me the way you think about me. I want it to change the way I think about myself. I want to live in freedom and victory because I'm thinking different. And like Paul said, I want to be somebody who lets my roots grow down into him and my life be built on him. I'm not going to get caught up in these empty philosophies. I'm going to let my roots grow right down into him and allow my life to be built on him.
Can we pray? Father, on this um, Super Sunday, this day that America is talking about football, there's some, there's some great things that are going to happen tonight. Families and friends are going to get together. There'll be some great communities, some conversations, some kids will get to play with other kids. It's just going to be a really fun night. And all the commercials are going to be fun, and they're going to be inspiring, and they're just going to be talked about throughout this week. But Lord, there's a reality, there's a concept of, of commercials as a whole and media that would say, you know, this will fix that emptiness inside. And we, we just believe, God, that the only thing that can really fix that is your son, Jesus. It's a relationship with him. Paul talked about these empty philosophies 2,000 years ago. Nothing has changed. We still believe that the only thing that can really um, redeem us from that sense of shame and brokenness is a relationship with Jesus. So would you help us, Lord, to think different, to think different about ourselves, to think different about our lives, to think differently about our families, and to think differently, most importantly, about you. To not see you as some kind of angry God who's way off in the distance looking to punish us every time we do something wrong, but to realize that you are a loving God who is desperately wanting a relationship with that perfect creation that he created. And that when you see us, you see us like that, that sketch artist demonstrated. You don't see us the way we see ourselves. You see the beautiful version of ourselves. Help us to think differently about you too. In Jesus' name, amen.